This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 282 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, August 15th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Crokey Kenna. (laughs) (laughs) We are, in fact, both still recovering from a very long week, a fun week, but a long week, uh, in Star Trek Las Vegas celebrating the 50th anniversary um, of TOS, and it was a wild ride. Yep. Super fun. Yep. Uh, but we are still recouping. However, we may not have a typical episode for you, but we have plenty of content from Star Trek Las Vegas. Kenna, why don't you tell them what we've got this week? Well, this week we're bringing you some more highlights from our coverage of the 50th anniversary celebrations in Las Vegas. We've got an interview with Vic Mignogna and the cast of Star Trek Continues, who, if you'll recall, have also done recent voiceover work for Star Trek Online. Then in Stow News, we're chatting to Al Captain Gecko Rivera about the controller functions of the new console version. And later, Henry joins us for an interview with the Star Trek Online art team. And in feedback, Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast has a few choice words for Elijah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> of course, don't forget that we'd love to keep the conversation with you going. So visit us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at Patreon.com forward slash PriorityOne and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Now, let's check out our conversation with the cast of Star Trek Continues. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. everybody, thanks for joining us. You are listening to Priority One Podcast, and we have some very special guests with us today. The, uh, many of the cast of Star Trek continues. We have with us Vic Mignogna. I am the exec producer of the show, and I play Captain Kirk. Hi there, Michelle Speck. I play Dr. Elise McKenna. My name is Chris Doohan, and I play Scott Evans. And I'm Kipley Brown, and I play Lieutenant Barbara Smith. All right, welcome, 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 everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Our, Happy to be here. Well, thank you, thank you. And now, uh, as people may or may not know, Star Trek Continues is literally Star Trek Continues. Absolutely. <laughs> give, us the, give, us the, give us a nutshell. Well, the, uh, the dream was to pick up where the original series was abruptly canceled in its third season and finish the five-year mission. Uh, we thought it would be really neat to kind of fill that gap between where the original series was canceled and where the motion picture picked up. So that's we've got uh, seven full-length episodes uh, finished. The seventh one's going to be premiering in just a few weeks at Salt Lake Comic Con, and then it'll be online for everyone to enjoy. 
and uh, we're hoping to finish the series up here very soon. Good. Now, uh, now, each of you have, some of us are familiar with some of the characters. I think um, Mr. Spotty is... is uh, yes, uh, it's, okay, it's actually Snotty. Snotty. Yes, Snotty. yeah. Right, but you were in Spaceballs, too. Man, that's oh, yeah, 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 and three. That's good. That's good. <laughs> the search for more, more money. That's right, right exactly. That right? <laughs> okay, we're totally going to cross over All right, but we have some additions to the crew. On the entire mission, which people might not be familiar with. So, yes, yes. Well, when we were starting this out, one of the intentions that Vic had was to not only finish out these story arcs and kind of character drama lines of what would happen to all the characters that we know and love from the original series to bring them to a logical place when the movies picked up because that's kind of where the series left off. The, the next time we saw those characters were in the very first Star Trek movie, but how did they get there? What brought their lives to that point? What had happened within the Federation? And so one of the goals was to bring those story arcs and those character lines to a logical conclusion when the movies picked up to help literally finish out the series. One of the other things was to start introducing some of the ideas, the technologies, even the kind of Federation uh, officers that we would see when the stories uh, continue with Next Generations, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, and so on. So my character is kind of a part of that. You saw in our vignettes, you saw the introduction of the beginnings of new phasers for Scotty that Scotty was into. We saw the beginnings of the holodeck and kind of beginning technologies of that. And my character kind of represents when next, Star Trek Next Generation began, there were counselors on every ship. But when did that start? So Dr. Elise McKenna is the very first pilot program of the ship's counselors. So that is kind of why I am there. <laughs> the other new introduction? Yes. Well, I play Lieutenant Barbara Smith, who was briefly in the the original series, she was in an episode, in one of the first episodes to uh, where no man has gone before, the one with Gary Mitchell and the Espers, and she was the young woman in the pants that sort of like stood by him and and was had her hand on Gary Mitchell's shoulder and was like ah, and Kirk gets her name wrong. Yes, yes, um, but yes. So he, you know, Kirk keeps getting her name wrong. He calls her Jones, and her name is Smith. She's like a Smith sir. She was played by um, Andrea Drum, who then later left the show, but. Apparently there was a resemblance, so uh, they thought, hey, let's reprise that role, and now she's, you know, now she's a lieutenant and actually a bridge officer. Mm-hmm. So and, kind of and Kurt knows her name now. <laughs> not no. exactly. <laughs> not, no. Still, no. Still not, no. not really, no. But no. yeah, you know, we, um, we were writing episode three, and uh, James Kerwin, one of our producers right. and uh, team members, said, hey, why don't we bring back that character from that episode, and we'll have Kipley do it. And everybody just fell in love with Kipley, and she kind of became part of the gang. So she's now part of our team, part of our family. Best thing I've ever done. I love it. Yay. So to transition a little bit, most of our listeners play Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Star Trek Online. Yeah. It's getting rowdy up in here, too. Uh, yes, uh, Al, Captain Gekka Rivera is also standing here watching us. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, my captain. So and all of you have voiced characters relatively recently in Star Trek Online and the new expansion and some of the latest storylines. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like to do a voiceover or a voice acting for something like Star Trek Online? It's established. Tell us about that, Vic. You keep well, I've that. never really tried yeah. any voice over. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but actually, ironically, I've been a voice actor for about 17 years. I've voiced over 300 different animated series and video games, uh, some real popular shows on Cartoon Network and Toonami and Disney and all of that, Pokemon, Fullmetal Alchemist, Dragon Ball Z, that kind of stuff. 
but Star Trek holds a very special place in my heart, right? So when I got the privilege to meet the people at Star Trek Online, and they uh, invited me to come and be a part of that, I just jumped at the chance. I said, now, do you want me to pay you guys? Because I will do that. I think there are a lot of people there. Like, no, we're going to yeah, pay you for your work. I'm like, no, 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 I'll pay you. I will. She's got to put so, negative um, numbers in the budget now. Yeah, so um, I just was so thrilled to be a part of it. And being a TOS arc as well, it's really uh, part of the overall dream come true to be a part of the Star Trek universe in some way. You guys are for everybody. Well, okay, well, I mean, I, obviously I get... At place Scotty on Star Trek, on Star Trek Online, uh, Agents of Yesterday, and uh, it, we actually were at this convention last year, and I met Al in, in one of the local bars. He's always there, you know. He's just, <laughs> but uh, and and he, we, we just he sort of talked about it and everything. And then he approached me a few months later and asked me if I would do it, and you know, and I thought you know, I'd love to. And he, he basically said, you know, it sounds so much like your dad. You know, it's just it's a no-brainer, and uh, and I'm I'm really enjoying. It, having a great time. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, in season 11, yes, I play Administrator Kumar K. Kumar K. I'm a Lucari, which is a new species, and part of the mission is to help the Lucari save their planet by fixing their star. And so I'm along for the ride, and I'm all naive about space travel, and it's really fun and exciting. And I have a lovely British accent because I, I tried to do an exotic accent, and they were like, don't. <laughs> Yeah, you sound British Transylvanian. Trip. Don't. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're Persian, you really pull it off. Yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I play the uh, Captain Krog of the Nakul, and she is not a very nice person. I'm just going to be honest. She's not, let me tell you, it is always fun to play a villain, and as uh, any voice work that I've ever done is generally in the lower ranges, because that tends to be what my where my voice rests. It's always nice to play, I love playing villains. I don't know, I don't know if there are many people who don't enjoy playing the kind of very extreme and dark and kind of angry and characters like that. So it was such, I mean, when I got the opportunity, I was like, Vic, I literally, a few weeks later when the check came in the mail, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I forgot they were going to pay me to do this. Are you kidding me? Again, I want to reiterate, he's standing right there. I know. will ask you to sign the check over to me. Yeah. All right. On the other hand, like the checks. Uh. Okay, all right. So, so Scotty intends to continue to get We were extremely excited and very fortunate to be a part of it and are hoping that any chance that comes up to do so will be just that as giddy and crazy as, as we were being up there. It was really, really wonderful. Well, yeah, you guys' voice talents do lend a lot to it. It's the, head, it's the voice in your ear that's real, right? It's not the usual voices in your head, but when, you know, when, you're, when someone's giving you instructions tell telling you what to do, right? having somebody that, you know, believes it, right. believes it, 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 it makes you immerse, uh, you immerse yourself in the universe. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, here's a very tough question. Which do, you, which do you like better, acting, you know, on stage, on camera, or oh. being behind the microphone, Al, just, you know, just using your you voice? You Keeping in mind that Al Rivera is standing right there. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what? Here's my answer. I love acting. I started acting when I was very, very young. Did a lot of stage work, a lot of theater, musicals, a lot of stage plays, some on-camera stuff. So that's where I started. And when somebody offered me the chance to voice act, in my mind, it was just another chance to act, only using a different tool, you know what I mean? Using your voice. So I kind of look at it all the same for me personally. I would never want to give up one in favor of the other. I hope I never have to. 
the chance to do anything of a, of a performing nature, whether it's on camera or on stage or behind a microphone, I welcome. I love it all. I would never pick between the two. I have no logical response after that. That was so incredibly complete and, and eloquent. I do think that there are elements about voice acting that are much more challenging than being on camera or on a stage. When you're on camera and on a stage, it's so very easy to direct the energy toward the person you're interacting with. You're allowed to focus on them and achieve a goal through them, um, therefore kind of allowing you to not be as self-conscious. When you're in a booth, you literally have nothing but uh, you know headphones on, a mic in front of you, and a very, very powerful mic that picks up every little mouth noise and click and clack that's going on. So it's both a creative as well as a technical process, and I find that much more challenging than being on camera or on a stage when you can just literally let go and not be so concerned with technical aspects of what you're doing. So Our audio editors get on us all the correct. time about chair squeaking. Oh, yeah. and, yes, and yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. a mixture of a, a creative and a technical process, and uh, it's much easier for me, and I'm sure other actors can well, I mean, this is going to be quick for me. I love them both, and both are very new to me, but I, I'm enjoying it. I love the fact that I can go look at like this and not go through an hour's worth of makeup. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. Yeah, but anyway, well, here's your chance. Well, I, I was going to, you took the makeup. Okay, it doesn't matter how big my thighs are when I'm doing audio. There you go. I was going to say that, too. Sometimes I have to stand. And I was in the mirror, mirror episode, so there was like some, you know, but I, I do love both. That being said, when other people do my hair and makeup, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then, you know, voiceover. It's, it's fun because you can do crazy voices that wouldn't necessarily match your physical appearance. Exactly. That's fun. Another wonderful aspect yeah. of it. I would play characters you would never be able to do on Exactly. I was going to add that, you know, when you're on screen, you have a number of different tools in your belt to communicate your character. You have your costume. You have your makeup, you have your facial expressions, you have your gestures, your body language, any number of things to communicate the character without saying a word. But when you're voice acting, it's all through the voice alone. And, uh, and that makes it particularly challenging. What a wonderful challenge, like an exciting Oh, yes, absolutely. And do you guys ever get to do your voice work together, or is it very solo? Well, all of the voice work that I, well, the vast majority of voice work yeah. that I've done which is anime, which is Japanese anime, is all voiced separately. Because one of the big challenges is matching the mouth flaps of the character, which is not easy to do. So it would be completely impractical to get four or five people in a studio and expect that everyone was going to be able to match their mouth movements all the time. So the only way to do it rationally, reasonably, is to bring everybody in one at a time and craft the performance to match the mouth movements and be a, a good a good performance. So for me, most of the, the, the voice acting work that I do is alone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you guys all take a pay cut from Al if he brought you in together to write a scene with all you guys? For Al, maybe. Heck, no. For Al, I would do anything. I wouldn't. Al, you could give Chris Dewan my cut. You heard that. There you go. I have to ask it. This is going to be a tough question. Probably Vic's going to be the one to answer it, but this is important to us. Some recent things going on in the Star Trek fan film universe. 
many of us are very hopeful that Star Trek continues is going to continue. 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 Right, that's the word I'm looking for. Well, you can count us among the group that's very hopeful that Star Trek continues, continues. We've always enjoyed a very respectful and quality relationship with the people that own Star Trek. They appreciate the integrity with which we run our production. They appreciate that we actually make something, you know, that we've, we've done with the money what we've said we would do. And we pay homage to their series in a very respectful, almost dare I say reverential way. So the fact that we've already raised the money, it's already been given, it's done, it's, it's there. And we have the scripts written, and we are an official, the only official 501c3 production, non-profit production. I'm hopeful. I, 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 I'm not speaking out with any authority, but I'm hopeful that we will be able to complete what we've started. And we're going to do it quickly. We want to we respect the new series coming out. We Look, we love Star Trek. We didn't make this to try to make a name for ourselves. We didn't make this to try to promote ourselves. You know, we made this to love, it's our love letter to Star Trek. So as much as we're able to do that, we we would love to just be able to finish what we've started. That's our hope. Well, you guys have been great guests, and we're going to give you the last word. If there's anything else you want to talk any projects that are coming up for you guys besides Star Trek or not? Anything uh, else you want to talk about? Not, not personally, not right now. Um, just uh, you can check out kipley.com. Um, I also do some artwork, and I have some on that that site as well. Yes. Look at Kipley's artwork. K-I-P-L-E-I-G-H. Yes, K-I-P-L-E-I-G-H dot com. I have a silent G in my name. It's pretty awesome. And you can just follow me at at chrisduin.com. Or at chrisduin, rather. Yeah, follow us all. I think it's at our name. So at Michelle Speck and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and Vic and I will be doing some event appearances together at Hawaii Con next month, and I'll be at Baja Con next month, and then some other ones coming up in November and December. But yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I've, I'm doing a lot of event appearances. You can you can see my schedule at uh, my fan club website, which is www.rizimbulrangers. That's like Kipley's name, R I S E M B O O L. Rissenbull Rangers. It's an anime reference. But, um, and I'm doing a lot of events, and I'm working on eight or ten anime series right now. And, and we're, uh, we're working at, dare I say, warp speed to, uh, to, <laughs> to, complete, to complete Star Trek Continues. So thank you for all your, your kindness and support. Michelle, Chris, Kipley, thank you very much for Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll everything, and then we're looking for the next episode. Thanks, you guys. On, right? Yes. All right. Premiering in three weeks. All right. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again to Vic Mignogna, Michelle Specht, Chris Duhan, and Kipley Brown. Now let's chat to Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Priority of Podcast, and we have with us our frequent and very special guest, Al Captain Gecko Rivera. How you doing, Al? Hello there, Tony. How are you? I am doing well. Go ahead and relax a little. You're, you know, it's us. It's just us. You're Kenneth's friends. Yeah. 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 Hi. Hi, Mark's here. Hi. Mark, how are you? All right. All right. Well, now, uh, we, uh, we understand there's this big news about a new platform that STO is coming, for, uh, coming to soon. I, I, I heard a little something about it. Yeah. Some people over the office were kind of chatting. 
writing about is, the idea, but I, I, I meant a little bit about it. Okay, all right. Is all right. this where you've been hiding Dan Stahl all this time? Uh, yes, that's where that's where we've been hiding Dan Stahl. He's been he's downstairs in the in the in the in the in the, in the closet room, room, room closet with a stapler or something, and, and I, I don't know what's <laughs> happening over there. The red stapler, right? The red stapler. The red stapler. Okay, good. That's where he said. So you're going to come to console, both of the both the major consoles. Yeah. To be clear, it's Xbox One and PlayStation Four. All right. So uh, no backwards compatibility to the 360 then. Uh, no backwards compatibility to 360, and the answer probably the most popular question is is no. Every every server is unique, so no, you will not be able to move your account over from PC. So PC will have its own uh, environment, and, and Xbox One will have its own, and PlayStation 4 will have its own environment. Okay, so it, it won't be any cross-playing between PlayStation and, and Xbox, well, not PC and Xbox. No, no, that's correct. And, and one, for the myriad of reasons, one of which not being the fact that the console will always be slightly behind schedule than the PC, yep. right? Mm. Because that takes time for certification to get onto console, and we can put things up on PC pretty quickly. On if there's ever a problem, we can get a fix right away. Mm. You know, the same day or a couple days later. And to put it on the console, it has to go through certification. Takes a long time. You can't really. That's kind of risky. And since they're out of sync, it's basically impossible to put them have everybody playing the same. So, and we want everyone to start off to on the same foot, right? Whenever we have have a new expansion and, and there's a new faction, it's a really great experience for new players because everyone's starting at the same level. Right. And right. so that's a, that's a nice environment. It's very inviting for new players. And so this will be a nice, fresh experience for anybody coming in. There will be no intimidation about having to compete. Right. Right. Are they gonna, are the missions are all going to port. All the official storyline missions will port over? Yes, everything everything will port over. The game is not done down in any way. All the content is there with the caveats such as like it will be behind schedule. It won't, it won't ship with Agents of Yesterday. That'll mm -hmm. come very soon afterwards. There will probably be you won't get every reputation at first. Mm -hmm. So we'll just get a few reputations at first. So that means that some of the queues won't be there. And then we'll there, it's not that we're not going to put them there or that we couldn't get them done. It's just we want to kind of hold back some content just so that way we can have some more releases to come out over time. Um, and eventually it'll catch up and be in sync. Pretty in sync with PC. Okay. Just as someone's asked me before, would Foundry missions ever make their way playable? To the consoles, or is that well, just a as far as I know at this point, and maybe the things in the future will mm -hmm. change. There will be no foundry, mm -hmm. like actually edible content foundry yeah. on on console, and I wouldn't even know how we would do mm -hmm. that. But uh, we've talked about moving some foundry missions over mm -hmm. to console, uh, certainly some of the featured you know, foundry spotlight missions, anything like that. It's totally doable. Mm. I don't think that will happen at launch, mm. but but it's something we definitely talked about, and will probably will probably happen. And yeah. I think it'll be a great uh, to flesh out a lot of the, a lot of the mm. some of the planets don't do anything, right? Mm. They're there for foundry, yeah. and so to kind of get some of those out there, uh, I think it'll be a great boon. So you, you could probably anticipate that happening sometime. Okay, so before we start talking about some of the details, because I know we want to talk about the controls, how's people's responses been? Because you've been talking to a lot of Star Trek fans, talking to them about the console port, talking to them about Agents of Yesterday. What's it been like when you've been talking to people that have come by the booth? So there's basically, I, would, I could probably put people in two, two categories. There are people who know about Star Trek online, yep. mm -hmm. and they come here and they're really excited and want to know more about the console, and, and they're excited about the graphic updates, and they want to know if those graphic updates are coming to PC, and yes, they are. Um, they want to know how the controls play. Right. And then there's people who don't know anything about Star Trek online, right. 
and they come up and when they see that it's on console, they light up. It's yes. like, yeah, I don't have. A, it's like, yeah, I heard about this, or maybe I hadn't heard about it, but uh, I don't, I don't really play on PC, or I don't have a PC where you can play it. But I have an Xbox or Xbox One or a PlayStation Four. So now they're really excited about. It. So we're able to reach so many more people. I would say, you know, easily twice as many people this year than we have in past years. Yeah. Some people come up and says, is it on this or on that? Said no, and they say, oh, it's cool, but they walk away. There's nothing we can do for them. But now we can reach everybody. Yeah. And that's great. So, that's good. so the response and and. and and that's exactly why we're doing it, right? And so we saw the kind of response with Neverwinter when you put Neverwinter online onto the console. Yep. And just made the accessibility of that reach is just phenomenal. And now we just put place, uh, Neverwinter on PlayStation 4 just came out last month. And so we're anticipating the same level of uh, responsiveness for, for Star Trek Online. So yeah. it's going to be huge for Star Trek Online. Great. Okay, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the controls because that's one area that the first reaction from everybody is, how are they going to put all those controls onto a controller, like an Xbox or PS4 controller, and are we going to lose any functionality? Because that's what a lot of people are concerned about, that they're going to lose functionality, that it won't be as playable because you haven't got a billion keys and all your mouse and everything. Yeah, right. Well, how many? 120-something keys on a keyboard, yeah. right? And uh, 16 or 18 buttons on a controller. I just use the space bar. Or just hit the space bar. Over right? and over and over. <laughs> That's all you need, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so to be clear, we this is a full game port. Mm -hmm. This is not a dumbed-down game. This is not an oversimplified game. Every All the content, everything's there. All the functions, all your powers, everything you can do has been moved over there. There's okay. a few minor things that we made some some uh, some adjustments to, and I'll talk about those. Yep. But for the most part, uh, a 90-something percent of the game has, has been has, has been made functional on the console controllers, and it was something that we started from the beginning saying we need to get figure this out first. Because yep. if we can't do it, we either have to redesign the whole game, which was a possibility. Yep. We had a lot of we had a lot of redesign plans. Yep. Which were, if we did, it might not have happened, mm -hmm. or, or and maybe we just wouldn't do it. But we spent a lot of time on that, and we've been iterating on it constantly. But we've managed to get it all there, and I think in a really smart and clever way. And uh, I'm sure we'll continue to iterate over the over the next few weeks or months or whatever. But I'd love to hear what you guys got to say about it as I talk about it. Yeah. yeah. We go through it. Okay, so you've actually brought some visual aids today. I did bring some so visual aids. So we can talk through. Mm -hmm. So so these are the uh, actual printouts and stands that we have. At uh, at the booth, so yep. uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll let you guys get I get get a picture of it or a yeah. um, we'll or, we'll put it on the or, tweeters yeah. and or, uh, and, and whatnot. I can actually get you the original file, so you can oh good, all right, we'll, we'll put, put it on the website with the show the notes. First thing I'll say is this is not 100% final. Okay. We're really right. close, and every day it's like oh we've got this problem, and all of a sudden we shuffle everything around and right. have to make some 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 minor adjustments, but. I mean, as, as while I was printing this, we changed it and I had to go and print another one. <laughs> so, 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 and then we weren't sure what, what you know which version are we currently using, and then we had a couple different versions. So, so, but we're really close, and and I think this will really describe a lot. And I love showing this off on the uh, because of Star Trek reasons only. I love showing it off on the Xbox controller, particularly because Xbox has this wonderful blue, yellow, and red buttons. Right. And and green, which is your crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 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 While, uh, well, PlayStation chooses to use some like magenta and some other you know, orange, safety orange, and some other green colors. So not primary colors. So it's the exact same functionality. It's just uh, they just happen to line up nicely for Star Trek. One, so that's why we're showing that here. Nice. Yeah. So um, so.
So to go over this, and um, if you have an Xbox controller at home to look at this, or if you're looking at this picture at home, if we get that to you, blue, of course, is science. So all your science for JavaScript powers would be on blue. Okay. And I'm talking about space right now, particularly. I'll talk about ground in a moment. So all the uh, all your science bridge officers would be on X blue. All your engineering would be on Y yellow, and all your tactical on on red B, right? And then that's for your bridge officer powers. And all of your captain powers would go on the left trigger, and all of your anything that is an item or ship, anything item related, will go on the the left bumper. Okay. All right. So as you may have seen, we have these radial menus that we've been showing off. So what happens is you can map, let's talk about engineering. So you can map any engineering power to Y yellow. Let's say you put engineering team there. So anytime you tap it, it will just fire off engineering team and you get your heel and clear any mm -hmm. engineering debuffs. If you tap and hold, if you push and hold Y, it'll bring up that radial menu you've seen pictures of. Okay. Then you can use the left stick to kind of scroll around and find the power in there. And you and when you find it, you can let go of the let go of the of the Y button and that power will fire off. Or you can pull the right trigger multiple times and fire off power, 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 power. Fire off as many of them as you like in a row. Okay? Right. See, this right. is actually, I was lying about the space bar because I've got to map two separate keys. So if I want to fire off engineering, engineering, I just walk down the keyboard. This is going to work for me. Okay. Cause, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, right. I can just walk around the radial. You can walk, exactly, walk around the radial. Then let's say that you don't want to ha have engineering team on the Y button, but instead you want to be able to manually control when uh, or quickly control when eject work plasma goes off. Okay, so you can you can hold down Y, you can scroll over to to eject work plasma. Okay, and then you can click the right stick, and it will map that power to that button. So you can remap it on the fly. Okay, so but now engineering team is not on the face button. That's an important power you want to be able to heal really quickly. Okay, mm -hmm. so we have another functionality. You can hold down Y again, and you just scroll over to any power. And then you can pull the right button, which you'll see over here. You pull the right button, and that sets an sets your power to auto execute. Okay. Now that oh. power doesn't go off like all the time. When you push it, you get three options on when you want that power to activate. So you can say, I want that power to activate when I have I'm at 75% health, or when I'm at 50% health, or for engineering team, whenever I have an engineering debuff on me, mm -hmm. and it will automatically go off. So every power. Almost every power. Some games doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, it doesn't make logical sense to use that. But uh, but most powers will have three options to put set on auto execute. And so then you do that. You set up all those scripts how you want. Or and then if you don't want them to be on scripts, you don't have to. And then all you put any power that's on a face button, that's on a button directly mapped to the controller, will not work on auto execute. So you have to always manage those. So you at least have to manage for powers five powers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everything else can be on auto execute. Right. Anything on auto execute, you can still manually activate if you like. So like I just want to do it now and not wait. Um, so every power, everyone has a different set of scripts to yep. use. Mm -hmm. Some of them are like, oh, only use this on a ship that is a battleship or greater rank or only use it on a, a lieutenant or lower rank. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of different things like that. So that handles all the powers. Yep. Okay, they'll all fit on those five buttons. That's for all the spacebar masters out there that have it all macro uh, keybinded yeah. all the way to that. You yeah. can, it's, a, it's not a keybind anymore, but it's a condition that you can it, set. You set the condition when you want the power to fire off. 
And presumably they all are still subject to all the cooldowns yes. that we currently have. Yes, they are yeah. all. Uh, uh, to be clear, that it will fire off if it, if it is available. If it is available. If it is yeah. available. Yeah. But the good thing about something like fire off when it's at 75% or lower, if it's on some sort of global cooldown, it'll, as soon as it's off, it's still technically below 75% health, yeah. and, mm -hmm. unless of course you peeled otherwise and it wouldn't go off. Yeah. So, so that's how that works. Clicking down on the uh, left stick will do a shield redistribute. So this is one place where, where we lose a little bit of functionality and mm -hmm. that you can't actually distribute to the left or the right. right. Okay. Um, we tried that, but since you're actually moving with that constantly, then yep. it didn't, it, it was, it didn't it, work. It, it, and re shield redistribute, I think, is the most common thing people yeah, use. Yeah. Once in a while, I know yeah. people might want to put some to this for shield, but so, so you know, uh, that, that is one where we just, we're, we're just yeah. like, okay, we're going to yeah. just leave At that shield you, redistribute. You've got a variety of powers that do that for you a little bit. Tactical team will Tactical the one taking fire, and, and then which you could put on auto execute. There you go. Right, right. And, and, and you've got a number of other uh, 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 specialization powers. So once you hit those specializations, it's like you went, that size taking damage, it hardens something, all that right. kind of thing too. And while you're mentioning specialization powers, say like Intel, right. where does that go on here? If you have, it goes on the on the wheel or the button that corresponds to that bridge officer. So if the bridge officer has a tactical bridge officer with an Intel power, right. it'll go under the tactical it'll list. Go into the tactical. Right. Yeah, if, it's okay. a cap, if it's a captain power, then it will go into the captain's list, which right. is the which is the left trigger. Okay. Okay. So the on the right on the right stick, of course, that's camera control. Okay. But you can also you can put your reticle, your 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 cursor, your reticle. I guess is the better word to say. And you don't know, cursors on on consoles. So excuse, right, right, right. excuse me for eight years talking about <laughs> cursors, and now I got to start saying reticle. So you when you put it on a target, you click that down, and it will lock on that target. Right. Okay. And this is a nice little feature now that I like about it. Now you still have tab targeting because once you've locked on something, you just flick the right, the right stick. It'll just tab target to the next target, next target, oh, next yeah. target, next target. Yeah. Yeah. Without losing focus, target Without focus on that. It'll target focus on the next one. Yeah. And if you if you select that on a friendly, then you can cycle through friendly targets that way. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. The little D-pad is up for for uh, impulse impulse speed and down to, sl to, to, to slow your speed. Double tap up to go into full impulse. Okay. Okay. Now, right on the D-pad is cycles through power levels. And here's another place where we decided to make some compromises on power levels. You can't individually control exactly like per at uh, you know each one of those to however exactly where you want. Um, like you can't just I want the weapon to be at 66 and shields to be at 42. Right? But you can cycle through all power to weapons, all power to shields, all power to auxiliary, and all power to engines. Okay. So that's, you can just cycle through that on D-pad to the right. Okay. And then scan, the basic scan functionality, yep. which will yep. find click clickables and is on the D-pad to the left, okay? The right trigger, which is probably where I should have started, is where you fire all energy weapons. Once you do it, it, uh, it once you select a target and pull it, it keeps firing energy weapons until that target is destroyed. Or you click it again, and it will stop firing. So okay. you don't have to keep pulling the trigger. So it's if you all want to. sort it's of auto. It's a little auto fire, fire which yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you do when you kind of control click on a, on, your on your energy weapons, and a little yep. green outline goes around energy weapons. Yep. So we'll just yep. keep doing that. Right button fires your torpedoes. We don't let you put those. Will not constantly auto fire. So, yeah. right, so it's torpedoes are going to make you full. Yeah. Yeah. So so that you fire that when you want to. Okay, and holding the down right button will fire off your mines. So, so click the fire torpedoes, hold it for, I don't know, half a second or a second to fire mines. Okay, and... Question for you, yeah. while you're talking about that. Is there haptic feedback on the controller? 
that tells you, like, for instance, the difference between a torpedo and a mine? Does it does it vibrate or shake or yeah. whatever to tell you that you've launched your mines as opposed the, to? Uh, we haven't gotten into tactile feedback yep. yet on yep. on the port. That okay. is something that we are just now starting to talk about, about right. where we want that tactile feedback okay. to go to. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely going to want to use that a lot. We don't want to go nuts because so getting the right balance for yeah, that. Yeah, it'll just be sitting there vibrating the whole time if yeah, you do it wrong. Yeah, every yeah. time you get hit with a torpedo, maybe we want that, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, so we really have to kind of still work on that. Okay. Okay. Now we have this other. We have their. Um, so A classically on console games is always interact. Yeah. Right. So we've maintained that basic functionality. Clicking A will interact. I click it. Right. Holding down A now brings up a little captain's menu. It's a kind of little, it's a small little sidebar menu. It's in, it's in, in, in game. It comes up on the right. And that's where we put all our non-critical other functions like transwarps or emotes or like a trade and things like that. Right? Yep. So there's all these non-critical, non-combat functionalities go into that list of men in there. You click mm -hmm. on that and you just get a little list and you just you scroll up and down to select what you want to do. Okay. So, so that's where we put that on the captain menu. So that basically covers space. You can tap the uh, Joy 2, the, the I don't even know what you remember what you call that button, the little, little tiny little face button on the left to bring up your map. And from the map, you can move your cursor around and click on a planet, and we'll just plot a course right to it there. Okay. And you click on the uh, the main the, uh, the the menu button. The hamburger button. The hamburger button, yeah. <laughs> and that will bring up your main menu. And so all the menus are in there. We don't have the floating Windows menus like you see on PC, which yeah. you move around with your yeah. mouse. It's full screen, and it's embedded menus. And so all your your paper doll, your ship paper doll, your inventory, and everything is and everything is managed through there, right. through trees mm -hmm. in there. So that's all. That's all. All, all, all brand new stuff and beautiful too. It's just elk bars, really pretty stuff that we made for there. Now, um, I have a question before we move on to ground controls. Okay. So, you were saying that in space you've got the three buttons for your science, your engineering, and tactical. Yeah. How does that work with your bridge officers? So, say you have a ship that's got two or three tactical yeah. slots. Yeah. Do they just then all of those bridge all, officers yes. would then all be on that? Yes. Uh, yes. On, the, all, on the tactical all, button? All tactical yeah. bridge officer powers would go into there. Yeah. yeah. It's, so not, can, it's not related to the bridge officer himself. Okay, so you still have the, you still have the same number of bridge officers. If you had five on your ship or whatever, you had five tactical bridge officers. I don't. Think we have anything no, 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 no. I mean five. Total. Get to work on that. <laughs> I mean five total. So because there's only three buttons, but if you have five bridge officers, yeah. it's, they're, they're consolidated under whether it's a science, yes. engineering, or tactical. Yes, it's categorized okay. by by career, not by not by individual bridge officers. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So on the ground, you, you don't control bridge officer powers. You're controlling right. your captain. Yep. So we've put all the item and kit powers under X. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. So so that would be any item. So that would include your kit powers as well as any devices like consumables or your yep. or your starter possibilities or anything like that. Yep. Item related. Okay. The uh, your captain powers like rerun power to shields if you're engineering or, or whatever any any of those any of those powers are target optics I believe if you're yep. uh, tactical goes on to the left on the left button same same functionality with that head in space face button activates hold it down to bring up the wheel and you put them on some of those on right. the yep. execute if you like okay so the uh, the right the right trigger is your primary excuse me oh, my voice cracked there yeah. it's getting, you've been talking quite a bit <laughs> just calling her out yeah, yeah it's that so, time of the that time of the week right right trigger to fire your primary attack right button to fire your secondary yep. attack okay and then the B the red B button to tap your melee attack your palm strike okay yep. and you hit Y to swap weapons and you can hold down Y even to holster your weapon okay. Thought about putting that in automatic, but we found a place for it. That makes mm -hmm. sense there. Good. Okay. 
because that covers the basic face buttons. Okay. Now you can you move, of course, with the left stick. And you move the camera with the right stick. Click down the left stick and you'll sprint. Okay. Click down the right stick and you'll crouch or kneel. Okay. If you are move the camera, if you're moving the right stick in any direction while you click that button, you'll dodge and roll. Okay. On the D-pad, we put bridge officer controls, uh, squad move marks, all squad move, move marker. So bridge officer moves to this location, attack my target, or or form up behind, you know, form up, recall. Yep. And so here's one where we made another compromise. You can't individually control individual bridge officers and say, you right. Bob go here and Sam you go over here. Yep. Everyone goes there. Are you going to ask about the mission? Yes. 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 Yeah, we updated the mission so that okay. way you don't. So we just up change those missions so you, that requirement is not part of that mission. Right. 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 Okay. okay. All right. Yes. And then the scan on the D-pad to the left as well. And then what we did nice is that you're always in shooter mode in console, which I think made sense for console. Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. Yeah. But we kind of maintained the integrity of a RPG mode sort of thing, where if you hold, click and hold down the right trigger, you Z-lock on a target. So it locks on them, and you're in aim mode. That's how you access aim mode, and you follow that target wherever they are at in Z mode and you always face them, you walk a little slower because you're in aim mode right. and then you can flick the right camera stick to cycle through targets. Same thing if you're on friendlies, then you can cycle through them and then you're in aim so, mode. Let go and then you're back in shooter mode. Okay. And it's kind of like a, a, a fallout where you have the VATS, the VATS system, you're, you're going to hit. You know, with a certain percentage, but here in Star Trek Online, with the, the RPG, you're gonna you'll you be able hit. to hit. You'll yeah, always there's hit. No, there's no right. chance to hit in Star Trek Online. Yeah, if you're, like, if you're on that aim mode, yeah. you're gonna hit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna hit. Well, okay. and, yeah, and it, yes, because you, yeah, you're totally locked on, so you'll definitely hit. Okay. It's not Nevada like on there where you can pick. I don't want to yeah. people think you can pick heads or, no, yeah, or, yeah, or but, miss or anything like that. Right, right. Um, but it's 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 it's, it's got you're locked in on yeah. that. You're gonna hit. The camera moves in a little bit over the shoulder, right. makes you feel it in aim mode and that sort of thing. Okay, okay. And and, uh, and that's about it. You tap A to jump, or you or you hit uh, or, or 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 captain's menu. And if you happen to be by a clicky, the jump button becomes interact button. Okay, so you can't jump while you're near a clicky. So mm. I'm sorry if that makes sense. But what if I wanted to tragic. jump onto the clicky? <laughs> if you want to jump on the clicky, you're probably going to have to run back and do a running jump. So all right, so problem solved. Problem solved. Be awful. Yeah. That pretty much handles all of uh, all of the ground controls. And so that's everything. That's the whole game on a console controller. All 128 keys on 16 buttons. Excellent. Wow. That's a, that's been quite a mammoth undertaking yeah, by the sounds been... of it. It's uh it's changed a lot. And it kept moving, and um, I expect what I just said might not ship. And uh, <laughs> it may have a few minor changes, but I don't think fundamentally that's basically how it's going to work. Okay. Well, what's the what's the testing process like on this? So you guys are all testing it in house to see how how usable it is and everything else yeah. like that. Well, well, the main thing that we're doing on on Q, on the QA side is just playing all the missions all the way through on mm -hmm. the controller and finding out what breaks. Yep. All mm -hmm. this doesn't work, we either have to change the control, we have to fix a bug, or we have to change the mission. And then they just do it again, and they do it again. Yep. So it's pretty tedious, considering how much content we have, because it's not just the missions, it's yep. the queues and, and the adventure zones and and, and whatever, so. Uh, what about the other kinds of gameplay, the DOFs and the uh, the Admiralty stuff? Is that just point and click, uh, moving the cursor around? Is that well, that's accessible? just all UI okay. stuff, and yeah. we probably won't be shipping with DOFs at launch. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. It might, it, it, but you, but it's not like it's been cut from the game, right? Okay. Uh, sure, surely, the, this, the amount of UI we had to make 
and the amount of things we had to port over. We, there's some things we said, okay, this thing just is mm. going to wait, right. and then we'll and then we'll get those, and, and then we'll get that in the game in the next update. So there'll be a new, uh, we'll, you know, we'll have patches right after that, and we'll stuff, and we'll keep patching. But everything's going to be in, but not everything will necessarily make launch. Okay, right. So uh, maybe we'll run down maybe some of those things because people will like their yeah. their their DOS. People like the DOS for yeah, you know, their different certainly. bonuses and things. So. Certainly, it's certainly a high priority for us. I don't want anyone right. to think that it's not mm. going to really make it. Right. So, okay. Uh, so there are certain features that just that will just be delayed by 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 months. Okay. No, okay. DOS are out for now. How about uh, mini games like the scanning games? No, that those, kind of stuff? The those ma are mini in. games are still in. Yeah. Mini games are in. Okay. Yeah. Admiralty not in. Probably not. Probably not. I don't want to okay. go through every single thing. I don't want to speculate okay. too much. Okay. Right. Oh. Because it's basically what we can get. Done. Oh, okay, all right. right. So it's all on the list. It's just yeah. you know, yeah, if, if there's can, a there's yeah. a date, and then once that date hits, if we're good, we're good. If we're not good, then maybe we wait. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. So, okay. What, so what, what we make, and some of those have repercussions. Like if we do this, and what's going to affect this, and so um, it might mean that having to do a couple things that won't go because something is related. Okay, but that's uh, but that's fun. It's it's not it's it's a it's really a non-issue. There's so much content in the game. Ever it's getting six years of content and refinement right. on launch, and there's going to be plenty of things for people to do. And, and we, you and I, have talked about before several times uh, about the, the devil's horns. You know, you got the big boost of people that are newcomers and the big people that are end game. This console, you're really trying to get a new audience in. This you're, is definitely you're going you know, the brand new crew of people you want to come in here. I mean, that's primarily what the console uh, market is for: is for us to reach a whole uh, a whole audience of people that we could never reach before. Whether they just don't have a PC, don't have a gaming rig, or just don't, you know, that can play Star Trek online, or just just the just computers where they prefer, do spreadsheets, just prepare, just prefer to play on yeah. the console. Yeah. So and. One thing that's great about console is that everyone's experience is the same. Your PC might be very different than my PC, and your mm -hmm. gaming experience may be different, but everyone's experience is going to be the same for the console, so the game is, is designed to work for that hardware. Right. So it'll be, you know, it's a much more predictable experience. Right, right. That's good. All right. Well, we always give you the last word, Al. Does anybody ask you more questions about what Yeah, we I was going to ask you. Yeah. As we get closer to launch, would there ever be any kind of player beta or sort of public test like you do with Treble? Possibly, right. possibly there, there there may be the logistics of that are a little bit outside of what of, of what I pay attention to, but uh, I I don't even know how much precedence there is for betas on console, uh, certainly on the MMO side. But if we could do it, I'm sure you know we, we would try to do that. But I don't know, yeah. and I'm happy to say I don't know. So. Well, I have a final question. Um, presumably, you can't tell us when it's going to launch. No, I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah. It will be. It will be soon. Yeah. It, it, it's not like it's not like in years, right? We're talking, you know, a matter of months at some okay. point. Okay. Mm. What are you guys in the office doing at the moment? Are you it developing still, or are you primarily testing, or is it a combination of both? The majority of the work is 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 twofold. It's well, there's the engineering part of just getting to work on the console, right? right? And that work is essentially done, okay. right? Bugs notwithstanding, right? And there's all these certification things that it has to work with this chat feature and has to work with this accolade system and has to, you know, achievement system and, and, and all those sort of things that require certification. And those are, those are basically knowns and, and so, so, so there's that. The second monumental part is the UI. Right. The con getting the controllers, getting stuff mapped to the controllers is actually quite easy. Yeah. It's just design. Oh, that was dumb and that doesn't really feel good. And um, then you just change it. But building the whole UI Planning that, yep. designing that was is monumental, and there's a lot of UI in Star Trek yeah. online. 
And so a lot of that's just still not done. Yeah. A lot of that. So it just you could find you just digging and digging and there's another pop-up menu and another pop-up menu and every one of those has to be re-arted and re re uh, regens we call them. Yeah. We call the UI gen system. Yeah. It's basically the, the scripting that makes that work. Then on the art side was the tremendous work of like relighting all the maps in the game. Right. Finding all the maps in the game, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. finding all and, and the cutscene. Sometimes when you see a cutscene, mm -hmm. that cutscene looks like it takes place on, on location, mm -hmm. but it's actually on a dummy stage off to the side that's hidden. Right. Oh. And then you'll see the cutscene and it's all black. And it's like, oh, we got to go relight that stage mm -hmm. uh, over there. So finding all of that is like the next thing. On the on the design side, there's less been less work to do as far as making sure that it works or some some changes the way that we do things so we had to update the way interacts work we had to update some of the missions like you mentioned it doesn't work because of you had to put a bridge off here and a bridge off here so we had to change that one of the other things we did like when you first get the fire extinguisher or the flashlight we didn't want to take you out of the flow of finding it and then open in pc it's easy just boop, boop, and you equip the equip it. Right, right. uh but here we want to be said okay you Oh, taking you to the full screen and digging down into the menus to equip an item was just too much of a pain. Mm. So we just said, oh, we just give you the flashlight. And we give you the item as to play with, but it just you just now you just have a flashlight and it's time to paint. So there's little things like that that we had to do to make make the missions work. And we also just did a high polish, just went through old bugs, some bugs like six years old, yeah. and say, let's just get the, put, put our best foot forward and just make the best experience we can. And design's been working on that. So at this stage, uh, at first we had we basically had a separate team working on console, and at this stage right now we're getting so close that we've just moved a lot of people over. We've got you know agents of yesterday was a priority, so we put all our effort into there. And so now we're moving a, lot, a few people over, just like just just make it really polished. Get the artists and fix some more lighting design, fix some old bugs, and make sure everything feels really solid. So putting we, we move some people around, and that's something great about Cryptic. We can move people around all around the company to work on something for a little while. So right now it's spit and polish time and catching all the little things. Yeah. All right. Last word, Al. Anything you want to say? No, I, I, I have nothing else to say because my voice has probably got about five minutes left in it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I thank you guys for being here yeah. and, and, and talking about console with me. I hope everyone gets a chance to check it out soon. Check our, our, our Twitter feeds or our, our Facebook and, and check out the controls to see what they look like. And, um, and we'll get that posted on, uh, on the show notes with this interview. So uh, whatever version we have currently may not be the final, but we'll, yeah. we'll just do that one for now. Yeah. And so and that's about it. We didn't have any major announcements to make this year because because uh, we're tired. Yeah. And we already <laughs> did a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so we did an expansion and the console port. And that's pretty much everything. We'll continue to have new content. We have new content plans that right. we coming out regularly. This is like, just like always, with great news stories. Great. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. Al Rivera, thanks for stopping by. Thank and you. we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Tony. All right. A big thanks to Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for chatting with us about the upcoming console controls coming to Star Trek Online on Xbox One and PS4. Now let's move into this month's art review by chatting with the art team of Star Trek Online. Picasso and Leger. More artistic. It's green. Geometric constructivism. Art. The irrationality of Dadaism. Don't expect me to pose for you. 
Greetings, captains. Uh, Kenna here, and we are very thrilled to have a very large contingent of the Star Trek Online development team here. And we are going to talk about today uh, the artwork of Star Trek Online. And we wanted to talk about sort of the the process all the way from concepts all the way to delivery, um, probably with uh, respect, especially to agents of yesterday. And we've got a number of people here. So I think what we'll do is just go around and have each of you introduce yourself and what what your job is and what what it, what that entails. I'm Nick Dukid. I'm uh, Taco Fangs on the forums. I make environment art, backgrounds and levels and crates and rocks and trees. I'm Samuel Wall. I'm the lead artist for Star Trek Online. I get to hold the artistic vision for the future of Star Trek Online. Uh, I'm Hector Ortiz and I design ships, uh, costumes, vehicles and uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm Donnie Versace and I am an environment artist. I'm new to the team. I've been there about four months. Um, I'm Thomas Maroney. I've done uh, user interface art and uh, 3D Starship art for the game. And concept art and everything. <laughs> Pretty much between. every other bits of art over the years, haven't you? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, so um, Samuel, why don't we start with you? Um, can we? Can you talk a little bit about um, when you are starting a project, something like Agents of Yesterday, for instance, how you start that off? What's the beginning of the process? Uh, well, we had to wrap up the Iconian War, so we had to wrap that up with time travel so we could reintroduce time travel to our game and use it as a tool, and um, we knew that we needed to do something for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek Online, and we knew we wanted to do another expansion that focused around TOS. So uh, that was the beginning of it, and we needed to figure out how it worked with uh, the 26th century or 31st century, uh, with the time agents that they had developed through the series and Enterprise and, and Voyager and um, just try to integrate all that. We did a lot of just brainstorming uh, the senior leads like Al Ricosa and, and I would sit together and talk story and brainstorm big bullet points ideas and then we would communicate that to the teams and the teams would kind of come up with some brainstorm ideas and communicate it back upwards. So. And then we'd have to figure out the nitty-gritties for the, all the ships and the details. So early on, we decided to, to do 26th century ships as retrofit from the 23rd century ships. So, and Hector got to do an amazing job with that and uh, the most, the hardest job of that. How, once you've kind of got a nebulous idea of, of what you're going to do with the storyline or whatever, um, how you go about deciding what the look is going to be like for that. So Agents of Yesterday obviously has a very strong look, so that might have been one thing. Um, something like the Iconian War, I don't know if that had the same kind of thought process between the conceptual idea of what the art would look like. So there was a very distinct style that we had to hit for Agents of Yesterday, being the 60s television show. but. Uh, the same thought process goes into everything that we do, especially with the Iconians. And Hector could elaborate on that. I mean, from the ground up, you designed the, all of the Iconians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The ships, was, the characters. The, yeah, uh, it was... Uh, it was the, 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 everything Iconian was kind of uh, straight lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everything was kind of straight lines, hard angles and everything. And the agents was actually refreshing because everything suddenly got smooth, everything got 
colors are, are brighter, everything is, is less dense. Yeah. So that, that was, it, was a, it was a nice relief from the, from the, uh, the whole Iconian chaos. Yeah, and presumably with Agents of Yesterday, you're yeah. taking a lot of cues, you're looking, referring back to the original series and, and making it look like that. Original series and also for the stuff that we couldn't find in the series, we had to improvise and think more or less like they did back then. Yeah. To so, try to subtract elements from submarines and stuff like that, and military equipment. Yep. That way we could create stuff like they did. That was one of the mandates that we had yeah. for the whole art team is how would they make it on the set from the 60s? Try to make it that way. Right. So like taking the Federation interior, repainting it, yep. putting different things on the wall, putting different lights on it. Okay, now it's an Orion ship. Now it's a Klingon ship. Kidbashi, yeah. Now, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a very like you know that was on purpose. Like some some people might see that and be like, oh, they just reused assets. But no, like we were thinking, how would they do it in the 60s on the show? It would have been the same set, just like an Enterprise incident, where the like the Romulan ship was the Enterprise, just redressed with different colors and stuff. So that was on purpose. It wasn't us being lazy at all. But. Well, it was us being lazy, but because they yeah, yeah, right. Well, Came up with a good excuse to be lazy. Is that what it was? No, yeah, no. Cheap, I guess, but more than lazy. Probably. How is that in contrast to something like? Like, uh, like the Iconian War, where you don't really have any reference. Um, what would the pro how would how would your process be different? Do okay. you start with just a whole bunch of different concepts and brainstorming, and then you see which one sticks? The thing about the Iconians is that we actually had some previous previous reference to work with. Uh, we knew more or less how the characters were going to look like, and we started from there. It was really difficult to, to get to the point. We started with organic stuff, and then no, let's go straight lines, and you know it's easier to build. It's, it's, we can build in it, it, it better accommodates in our production cycle. Product cycle and uh, yeah and then we also had to do the not only the new Iconians we, we also had to do the old Iconians the yes, previous ones because right, yeah. we had to do the, the new ones are kind of cold in colors everything is violet is kind of that blue so color dark, yeah. and then if you go to the past everything is, is golden is white yeah, is light, blue really light sort of luminescent colors yes yeah. everything is so we had to contrast it that, that way too so it's kind of, it was kind of a mission, which it was fun as hell. But is, is something like that, would you would you like come at it with a whole lot of different ideas? Um, and then uh, who makes the final decision on, okay, that's what we're going with, and then it gets... Thumbnails, starting with thumbnails and working way out. Yeah, we, we start uh, as a democracy, as I say, and we end up in a dictatorship. <laughs> we have, I'm, yes, that's, that's how, yeah, because we have tons of thumbnails, and I mean tons of them. Yeah. And then we start, taking the ones we like the ones we don't like we just discard them yep. maybe we use them we always say we're gonna reuse them we never reuse them right. and then uh, it's sad for that one and then and then at the at the very end once we start doing the final product when people start hey we should do that whoops nope it stays like this. We had to. We had to keep the curse. Otherwise, we're gonna go crazy. Yeah, it can go out of control quickly. So, uh, for one of those instances where we actually got to reuse something was uh, the Vorgon ships. When we first started designing the 26th century ships, uh, 
we set out to be pushing the Wells design to even a more organic feel. Well, that was the 31st century ship, yes, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, 31st century. A couple so of hours. We, we had originally set the 26th century ships were going to be 31st century ships. And then uh, the concept was getting too far away from Federation, and we had finished concepts for it, and we decided to go back and revisit all of it. At the very end. Yeah, at the yeah. very end. Yeah. It's like, okay. That's Morgan. That's Morgan. Yeah, we saved it all. We saved it. Like we'll, we'll use it when when we can, yeah. and then we started basing concept off of the J and saying, okay, they're from the 26th century ships, so, uh, J, and then Vorgons uh, came along and we're like, we need ships with Vorgons. Great, we have. Well, then we threw, um, was it the Nautilus shell yeah. coloring and oh, detail yeah. on it, and then it was like, okay, now it's an alien ship for sure. That, that works. So, yeah. yeah, we made it work. Yeah. We made it. We had a full production deck done done already. We couldn't yeah. waste that one. There's a lot of there's a lot of concepts that are on the cutting room floor. You need to open up like a, a cryptic vault. Yeah. That's got all <laughs> oh, the, one day, the old one day. discarded oh, God, projects. So many. That would be fun. I know a lot of people would be interested. Would yeah. love to see that kind of thing. So Nick, Nick has a lot of test maps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it possible you guys have thought about releasing any of these assets that you haven't used yet into maybe the foundry so that they'd still get some use and you could use them um, rather than let them sit? We don't like the things that we don't use are more like concept stage. So yeah. there are game assets that we can just put in the foundry. Oh, I got it's you, very yeah. rare that we would have a game asset, like a game ready built asset that we would not use. Yeah. That's actually reassuring because I know your schedule is really, really tight with these big releases coming constantly. Um, and I know that you guys are under a tight schedule to do that. Hector, you have to design everything first. You have to kind of come up with the concepts. I bet you feel a lot of pressure at the very beginning of the process because these guys probably can't start until you're finished. Am I right? Yep. Sometimes it happens like that, yeah. Sometimes they already have something previously, but once the schedule starts to catch up, uh, stuff has, has to happen, you know? And it better be decent and presentable. Doing creative work myself, I, I know what you're uh, looking at there. It's difficult to try to get the creative juices flowing when you're under a lot of pressure. That's uh, that's uh, something people don't think about when they think there's talent. You've got to also have um, a lot of discipline to keep yourself on a project under you know under a deadline. And you guys do a fantastic job bringing content out all the time on a regular basis. It's been a lot of fun. Agency yesterday has been has blown me away. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. I really loved the 60s look that you guys put together. Um, and it reminded me of Star Trek Continues, um, uh, the uh, uh, fan film that's been, um, or the fan episodes that they've been making, where they had built things the way they did in the 60s. It kind of, it had the same kind of feel that it did from the 60s. You could tell that that uh, effort went into it. It was great. Yeah, that's, that's, it's really difficult to get. So when, once you've got the concept and the, the basic look down, then, then how does that work? Does it go, does it just basically get split up into the different teams? Not everyone gets concept. Yes. We have right. one concept artist and how many artists total? Like 19. 19. So, so Hector can't supply everyone with, with concept art for everything. Right. So often concept art goes to ships and things that like really need focused attention and iteration. Right. And then environment and, you know, animation and things, you know, we're, we're left to do, uh, draw things from reference, from canon, from what was shown on screen. Right. I mean, I, whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. From the whiteboard, from yeah. little sketches that, that Hector might make, but, yeah. we, you know, not a full concept piece. Um, and it's not, like, it's not necessarily bad. We're all artists. We're all capable of creating things ourselves as well. Yeah. And so, 
um, you know, that's what we kind of deal with, though, is we all have to be able to work without concept art much right. of the time. So then you, you kind of have to try and make what you're doing match in, the, in a theme that's already been done, but you wouldn't necessarily get, you yeah. know, a concept and, of what's going and it's, on. I mean, it's maybe a little disingenuous to say that, oh, well, we've, we've set the, the, you know, the theme of, of the art, and then we're just going to, everybody works within that theme. It's really like, well, this is where we think we're going. Everyone kind of point that direction. And then over here, we're like, well, that's not good. And we'll take a right turn. And everybody kind of tries to move like a flock of birds. But, yeah. you know, we all crash into each other at some point or another. And do the different teams work relatively independently? Uh, well, yeah, like in parallel, part. I mean, yeah. so you've got the different in different areas, you've got ships being developed, you've got other assets, you've got environments all going on at the same time. So like the Donnie worked on all the Kelvin timeline bridges, except for the Romulan one, and he did those way in advance before anyone did the ship art for them. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't have anything to put outside the window on those ships. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know. Uh, outside the window at the very last minute. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Now that we have the assets. That's not the attitude. <laughs> we we knew we needed to do it. So, but it's a constant flux of how where people are ahead. But we always try to work behind design because design will have brainstorm a lot of things so we, we yeah. can be on the same ball with them on what we're doing. And then you know, in a in you know, I don't know how long it takes from start to finish for something like Agents of Yesterday. But how how do you check as you're going along that everything is working? Do you have points at which you kind of, everyone brings it all together and you go, okay, does this work? Well, um, we have a six-week schedule, so we're constantly working around the six-week schedule. Right. Uh, there's checkpoints within all those those weeks, and yeah. we're constantly playtesting episodes every twice a week, three times a week, So, and then doing routine check-ups check with the art and making sure that it's on bar. Um, so... We have weekly art walk-arounds. And that's, I mean, that's so. kind of Sam's job as art lead is yeah. to make sure that we, we are all falling in line to whatever that vision is, right? Like, he holds a vision. He's the one that needs to communicate that to us and make sure that we're all following along and not just not straying off on our own paths. And how much visibility do you have between teams of what everyone else is doing, or do you not really? Well, we get together every week and have a weekly, you know, uh, show and tell of the art so we get to see what other teams are working on but I mean but Cryptic also has an open door policy to where we can just go around and I can go into Thomas's office and look what he's doing you know and then that might influence me to make a change in you know a wall panel and a bridge to stay in line with what he's going with so it's it's very like I mean, it's it's fluid in the way we all work together. So. Right. Okay and when we're getting towards like delivery of the final product how do you sign off and you go right that's it it's done now is that is that driven by it's done or is it driven by right we have to deliver it now or is it a combination it's it's a combination but we really strive for the highest quality on anything yeah. and that's always going to be the mandate yeah. We'll certainly hold things back if we think that like it's oh, yeah. too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And we have done that a lot. Yeah. Um, but we we try really hard to make sure that you know things are at least you know workable and playable and all of that. Um, and, and certainly we try to make it everything look as good as it can in that time. Um, but you know sometimes we we misestimate schedules or someone runs over or someone's out sick for a week or whatever and that can throw things. Yeah. Or someone goes on a month vacation. Hey, I gave you a lot of notes. <laughs> I know. <on> that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd uh, like to ask you guys, with uh, looking towards the future, we've got a new show coming out, and we've seen some of the, you know, the first clips from this new show and what the new ship's going to look like. What do you feel about, how do you feel about the direction they're taking artistically, being set pre-TOS, it looks like? Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, you guys have put your stamp on Star Trek um, with what you've built. Um, and what uh, you know, you're you're what we currently have for Star Trek besides the movies. Um, how do you feel about them, you know, working in the TOS and what they're doing? We don't really know for sure when it's going to be set yet. I don't think they've confirmed. The ship looks like pre-TOS, like you say, but you know, there's that's not certain because there are other weird cues in there. Like the music feels kind of Klingon, and the actual back shape of the ship has kind of a Klingon design language. So there could be something really weird going on with the story, but. That's a good point. Um, I think we're all excited about new Star Trek coming out. And Absolutely. Yeah. And they said they had to put that demo together in like three weeks or something. So yeah, yeah. They, they already said that none of that I actually really done. enjoyed the demo. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, more thinking about uh, ship direction. Do you think that's going to influence what you do working in a different timeline, working on Star Trek Online? Uh, we're definitely all very excited about the new television show, but at this point, we can't really say, well, what's going to happen, how they're, they're going to influence us and what we're going to influence them. So. Sure. Um, also looking towards the future uh, beyond this and ignoring things that you can't talk about, is there anything you personally like to see um, come out that you'd like to play with as a personal project, perhaps um, with respect to another ship um, that you might be working on, Nick? Uh, I, I don't think we can talk about anything we're, we're working on currently. Yeah. No, I mean, no, uh, something like you just like to see. Sky, yeah. you uh, perhaps you can't. I'm not normally a ship artist, so I made one ship, exactly uh, one ship. Uh, so, environment, there are environments that I've wanted to work on that have been maybe too vocal about that in the past. Well, I'd like to see some new ship interiors. Um, the, I love the new Kelvin uh, interior. I love the new, uh, the you know, the, the original series, the, the bridge interior that's out. I'd love to see maybe a uh, movie-era Excelsior interior, that kind of stuff. Do we have any plans for those kind of interiors down the road? I can't really comment on any of that, but I know that next year is the 30th anniversary of Next Generation. So we'll see what happens with Star Trek Online over that. You that's know? great. But, you know, DS9 is something that's Nick has, has been working on at, uh, at some points, and we've just kind of had to move priorities around. So it's one of the things that we really want to get done. So one final question for all of you. Can you just quickly name one, try and pick one thing that you've worked on that you're the most proud of, either that it was because it was so fun to do, or it's because it was something you loved, or it was something that just turned out great and you know people had such a great response to it that that's your favorite? Uh, the Tier 6 Odysseys, I think. I think those turned out really well, and it was fun to go back and touch up the original Odyssey and just work on an Enterprise, work on Star Trek Online's version of the Enterprise. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I had the most fun uh, taking Hector's concept of the Klingon D4X bridge and uh, making that uh, a reality. That was the first time I'd ever modeled anything that was like non-Federation. So uh, that was really cool just to just to see that process from start to finish, taking his artwork and then making it into a real 3D object. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, that bridge was really good. I really enjoyed doing that one. And uh, the pilot ships, I really enjoyed that. And there's something going on right now that I'm digging that one too. So. Oh, oh, that you're very excited about, but you can't tell us about. Okay. Yeah, he kind of beat me to the punch. I was gonna have to say, what he's working on right now is a lot of fun. We're gonna do some new alien races, and that's about all I can say about that. Oh, that one too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, two somethings then. Um, 
my favorite is probably still ESD, being able to revamp that and and not just like the end product, but the whole process. We were given so much time to to really like find figure out the right shape and the right layout and all of that and working with the like the entire environment team worked on it together, which was really cool to, well, and, to do. And, like, like I even pitched in and did like science yeah. and stuff and that was a lot of fun. Everyone was super into it and yeah, so it was really cool that like that's not common. Most of the time uh, each environment artist is kind of working on one thing. We kind of go back and touch up each other's work, but we don't necessarily all work on one thing together. So that was really neat. And we're relighting that too with a new console update and it looks even better. That's a very good question actually. Um, do you have any update on when we might be seeing the new lighting on the PC version? Um, <laughs> it is coming I I think this fall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've been seeing the before and afters, and we're looking forward to it. So, Great. Well, thank you all very much. I won't keep you too much longer because I'm, I'm, half of you are sitting on the floor. Thank you very, very much for joining us this afternoon. And, um, yeah, we're looking really forward to seeing all the new stuff that's going to come out in the, in the future that you can't talk about. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks again to the Star Trek Online art team for chatting to us about the beauty of Star Trek Online. Now let's open a direct subspace channel to Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast, who has some feedback about one of our previous discussions here on Priority One. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, joining us here in Las Vegas, we have the honor of speaking with Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast. Ken, thanks for stopping by, man. Thank you very much for having me, Elijah. So I understand you listened to one of a, our last episodes, and, and I had a concept or a, an opinion that offended you. I, no, it didn't offend me. It's just it's been an argument that I've been having for a while now. Okay. You, are you talking? Which one are you talking about? because uh, <laughs> there were two. So there were two things that common. I came to debate. Well, all right. Let's first talk about. I think the first one you said was all uh, access. All access. Okay. So my opinion is that so they just recently announced that the new series will be released on Netflix overseas in 128 countries. I think was a number, as well as another all access type of thing somewhere else. Whereas in the United States, it's you have to pay an extra subscription in order to get the show. And so I I was rather upset by that and called it a money grab. Now, so what, why, what, what about that? I don't think it's a money grab. I think it's CBS moving people towards the future of what television is going to be. There is a show coming out this fall on CBS All Access that is a spinoff or a continuation of The Good Wife. Now... Star Trek doesn't care about The Good Wife, but that was a big show. Uh, the lead left the show, I guess the leads, but they've, got, they've still got stars from the show, and they're going to keep telling stories in that universe, but if you want to watch it, you're going to have to go to All Access. The, my, my thinking about it is the networks are tired of dealing with the cable companies. They're tired of dealing with the affiliates, and most people want to watch television online these days anyway. And so it's not so much a money grab for Star Trek. It is getting people used to the way television's going to be. And it's working out for them so far. They've already got a million, well, they actually announced on their recent quarterly earnings call last week, I think, that they've got two million subscribers to Showtime Anytime, which is their Showtime streaming service, and CBS All Access. That's roughly divided evenly. So a million people are paying for Showtime. A million people are paying for CBS. And Star Trek is going to kick that up a notch, but I don't think it's I don't think it's about I mean you're right, it's not cool that I've already got Netflix. 
I should go ahead and get it for free. Yeah, I mean, that would be okay, but I mean, this is the way television's going to go. I would actually go the other way and say CBS sees so much value in Star Trek that they think it is going to be a way to drive a whole new business model. Right. Because for a lot of people, that's what it is. This is what they did with syndication, with uh, TNG, okay. right? Yeah. So my, but my, you see, my problem was, now I didn't know about the Good Wife spinoff. My, one of my biggest problems with the current state of CBX All Access was that there was no new content, okay. right? So I was paying, I, I would be paying for a subscription for only one new show, right? Because everything else is, having access to CBS All Access was nothing more than uh, being able to watch the episodes that you may not have been able to catch on a DVR or, or whatever. Well, so, and also their whole back catalog. I mean, not their whole back catalog, but tons of shows over the past 40 right, years of right. CBS. So, like, all of the Star Trek is available on CBS.com as well, or CBS All Access. Which is me. good, but, I mean, it's also, most of it's on Netflix, not all of it, but most yeah. of it's on Netflix. So my my issue was that, and still is a little bit, that there isn't enough content. So hopefully they will continue doing that. Hopefully they will continue to produce shows that are only for... Because you're right, you are right, and I completely agree that subscription is the future right because nobody wants to be continuing uh, continue to pay 200 or more dollars right. for for you know a triple play thing to whoever their ISP is I think where that stings specifically though is we have CBS because we had the FCC and the FCC granted licenses to television stations without that which of course comes from you know government funding and people paying taxes and all that kind of thing right that right. built all that initially and now it's like, I mean, this has always been free. I mean, I get why it stings, but this is the way, this is the way television is going. Right, right, right. And again, I agree. It's just that I'm glad to hear, and I didn't know that they were doing a spinoff, because as long as they continue to produce shows and, and add value to that $7.99 that I'm going to be paying, not just for Trek or its backlog, backlog or all of CBS backlog, it makes me think, okay, now I'm not a fan of The Good Wife, but at least they're moving it towards that direction, right? At least they're going to be producing more content. Yeah, if they can um, figure out a palatable way to do sports and get like all of those rights, I think right. broadcast television looks ridiculously different in the next 10 years. Right. I mean, as long as they can get everything online and get all the rights online. The only problem is you do run the risk of nickel and diming people to death. $6.99 for Star Trek, it's $8.99 for Netflix, or $9.99 now, I guess, for Netflix. It's $15 for HBO, right, right. and I'm almost paying as much as cable, right. right? Exactly. But then when you're actually paying for what really should be a broadcast station, or what had been a broadcast station. I mean, that does sting a little bit more, but right. dude, it's new Star Trek. Right, and that's actually, that point was t what Tony had made also in a previous discussion that we had had, was that you start adding these up, yeah. it's almost as much as, you know, an ISP. All right, so we had, so... Uh, the other thing was George Kirk. Was George Kirk. Was do you George want me to Kirk. talk about so, it or do you not? What was that, what? Do you want me to talk about it or do yeah, you no, not? Yeah, no, I want you to talk about Are it. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, I do. I, do. I love the idea. Okay. I'm not a fan. I love the idea if it goes one particular way. Can I have what? Oh, I was just going to say that I love the idea. Do because you really? you love Christy Helmsworth. I, I'm not going to officially say that that's ah, my position, but... You did it in the show. Yeah, okay, I already said it. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, there are a lot of people like me who will go and see a film that has Chris Hemsworth on it because they love Chris Hemsworth. So, yeah, that's all I have to say on that, really. All right. Yeah. Cool. So, all right, so uh, I'm thinking to myself, that here's this announcement. We're going to go back in time again, or something's going to happen, that Kirk is going to have to work with his father in some way, shape, or form. That type of plot scares me because we've seen this happen already to the X-Men franchise, right? X-Men Apocalypse 
focused really heavily or tried to focus really heavily on uh, Mystique when really what they were doing was focusing on Jennifer Lawrence. All right, well, that's that's the, the one that I can think of right now. Where they're trying to tell a, a story because they want that headliner. They want that actor, right? right? And Broadway theater does this all the time, right? I remember one of the recent ones was, uh, or one of the ones that I remember was uh, Little Shop of Horrors brought in one of the Backstreet Boys to, to, to play Seymour because they want cheats and seats. Right. But it does little to draw, in theater at least, it did little to draw, you know, the, the performance forward. So why do you like the idea of bringing back Kirk? Well, my hope is that they're actually coming up with a good story, and it just so happens that Chris Hemsworth was Kirk's dad in the first one. It was before he was really Chris Hemsworth, right? I mean, he was this... Right, yes, yes. I mean, he yes. was this... Relatively new. Right. Attractive guy that nobody had ever heard of. We, had, we didn't have Thor at that point. So I think we had Thor's hammer at the end of uh, Iron Man. And that was the only indication that anything was coming, and it wasn't that guy. My hope is that they're telling a good story about Kirk and his dad, and then I just totally fanboy on the whole thing. Because when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, they're not going to do anything stupid like he goes back in time to save his life, or maybe they will, but it's not going to end up being, I hope anyway, it's not going to end up being a they-work-together thing. I think it's going to screw stuff up. You and I talked about what's going on on the TVs, uh, the TV show The Flash right now. Spoiler alert. Do I say it? Do I go ahead and say it? Okay, spoiler alert. At the end of the most recent season of The Flash, The Flash goes back in time and saves his mother because that's been the defining tragedy in his life. And it's obvious that this is going to screw up the galaxy for everyone or the Earth or do an infinite Earth thing or something. The thing that has screwed up, at least in the movies, the thing that has screwed up Kirk's life more than anything is not being able to live up to his father. I think he's going to end up having to let his father go, literally and figuratively. I think he's going to have to either kill him or let him die. And that's going to be a very hard thing for him, but he's finally going to get over it. That's my hope, anyway. I I like, once you you reference Flash, you know, I thought, because that's not dissimilar to what happened in Flashpoint in the comic series. And you can also watch the animated one, I think it's on Netflix, where Barry goes back and saves his mom and screws everything up royally. Uh, So far that, uh, spoiler alert, Bruce dies instead of the Waynes. And so the and so his father becomes Batman, and he's a mean, like killing machine kind of Batman. And I like that. I like how that would affect everything. But in comparison, though, right, the DC Universe or Justice League has so many stories, right? So many uh, universes in and of itself. Do you think that they could tell that story in in two hours? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it, it's not going to be like an infinite Earth kind of thing. I think things will start going wrong. Bad things will start to happen. Spock will figure out that it has to do with the disruption of the time continuum that they set up, and then something else bad's going to happen. He's still going to want to save him, but will let him die. I mean, this is all made up right. in my head. Yeah, 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 I've got no. nothing, but that's the only way that I can think that it would be good, because if it ends up being a father-son buddy movie, right. then I don't care. Unless it's like a send-up of Courtship of Eddie's Father, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. That would not be awesome. I like when we were talking That would be over, tragic. When we were over at your table, I like how you said that. You had thought, you know, it'd be like he's not, he's not, it's not gonna be a buddy film, but something's gonna happen, like he's gonna have to bury his father or something. Like, I like that. that that's well, he has to cool. do, I mean, the way they've been writing his character, and on TV, Kirk barely seems to remember that he has a brother, that he has a nephew, that he had a dad, that, I mean, that anything, right? This has been the defining thing in all three of those movies so far. You can't have him continually going around whinging about his father. They're actually starting to grow characters now as opposed to just telling stories. I think they have to go ahead and have them deal. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. I like that. When you compare it to Flashpoint, I was like, ooh, mind blown. 
Cool. Well, Ken, thanks so much for coming on and uh, and engaging in this in this uh, conversation, man. It was really fun. Thank you. I you appreciate you having me. Yes, I would do that. Yes, I would do that. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm holding you to it. I would do that. Cool. Well, that wraps up episode 282 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, we want to ask you a quick community question. So this week, we had some news from Brian Fuller about the new series Star Trek Discovery. We'll be discussing it on the show next week, but we want to hear from you. So what are your thoughts on the new information out about Star Trek Discovery? What about the time setting, the new female lead, or what about those robots? Your comments may be used in our discussion next week. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us at PriorityOnePod. Can you be as daring as Chris Keen and leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe? Just click on the widget on our homepage. It's free. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. And more importantly, help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost, and Gavin LaWarn. Thank you specifically to the audio team for supporting us and helping us out during our coverage of Star Trek Las Vegas. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Again to Vic Mignogna. I made I made one. I got through one. Here's I do. It's gonna go and and, and I'll look. And pants are hard to find. So yeah, clothes are hard to find and whatever. It's really tragic. It's well, really, yeah, it's right really, here, here we're all very sad. Honestly, the worst part is just is the posture. It's just it's hard to. Um, that's why I do. That's why I do yoga. I do yoga to try to just like you know.
Some Benny Hill music over me falling into the <laughs> well, we'll wall because that would be fantastic. Sorry, are you alright? Because yeah. no, uh, it's it's fine. I just caved in the wall. No, it's just I, like you, Samuel. You looked really uncomfortable. I was. And uncomfortable. I was, and I was just fine. thinking, Sorry. oh God, we gotta wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> Breath and space precedes sound. Shoot from my eyeballs. 